Listeners like you keep us going on the Historian's Podcast. Please make a contribution by clicking the GoFundMe link on our website, bobcudmore.com. Hello, Bob. This is Kevin Hall, and I'm here today to talk about Ilian, the book I wrote, Ilian, My Childhood, My Memories, Growing Up in a Bygone Era. And I thank you for that opportunity for me to do so. The book itself, i got to give you just a little background, came about because of my grandchildren. And they had always asked Grandpa, what was it like for you, Grandpa, growing up? I would tell them different stories, and so they said, we'd like to know more. And that kind of led me to the production of my book, sitting down one day and just starting putting my notes down on paper, pretty soon an outline formed, and then pretty soon I had 100-plus pages, and I just (laughs) kept going. And as such, I produced the book. This is the Historian's Podcast, and I'm Bob Cudmore. It's a pleasure to welcome uh, Kevin Hall. His book about uh, growing up uh, in Ilion, New York. W- w- that's an unusual name, of course. A lot. It's, a, it's or maybe it's sort of a typical name of uh, upstate New York. Do you know where the name came from, Ilion? Well, I have a little bit of background on it, Bob. Um, Ilion really uh, is a name for Troy. If you look up old Troy in the uh, dictionary or some old uh, journals, you will find out that it was called Ilium. And as such, when the town was being formed, there was different names assigned to it. One of them that was suggested was Remington, because Remington Arms was in the town, the main employer. But Remington really did not want to have his name Uh, on the town. So other names were suggested, and Ilion came up. Well, one version of the story goes that when they wrote the application for declaring the the town name, they had spelled out Ilium, only (laughs) the person reading it thought it said Ilion, and as such, the name stuck of Ilion. But that's one story. Others say, no, it was originally <laughs> right. Ilion from the get-go. But it does stem from the old Troy name. Now, place it uh, geographically uh, for us. It's in what I would call the uh, western Mohawk Valley. Uh, but up there, you folks intend, tend to call it the Mohawk Valley, sort of forgetting we're off to the east and Amsterdam and Schenectady and places uh, like that. And there is, it's a cluster of several communities. On the other side of the river, you've got Herkimer, but then on your side of the river, which is the south side of the Mohawk River, or by then it's the canal, I think, you've got um, Mohawk Ilian and Frankfurt, in that order, correct? Three little communities? That is correct. And in Ilian, a lot of times growing up, we would say if you were to draw lines from connecting lines from the various different outer reaches of New York State, they would almost intersect at Ilian. And uh, the, the whole community down there is kind of referred to as the Mohawk Valley, all part of uh, Herkimer County. But to give you a little bit more uh, geographic-wise, Ilion is about 50 miles west of Albany, and mm-hmm. it's about 60, 70 miles east of Syracuse, and it's right on the New York State Thruway. Yes, it's a beautiful sight when it 
goes by on the throughway, it seems to me, or or do you disagree? I've talked to others who think the throughway is a very boring drive. That part of the valley, I really think, is spectacular. As you start to come from the west and you're just getting out of Utica, you kind of come up to a little bit of a knoll on the hill and you can see the whole valley open up before you. And it, hmm. to me, that is really a spectacular sight and a especially gorgeous in the fall time uh, with all the changing leaves. You've already mentioned this, but the major employer in Ilion and maybe in those that whole cluster of little uh, towns and villages is or has been Remington Arms, which was started by Elephalot Remington back in the early 1800s where he came up with a design for a rifle. At one point, that, that was a pretty big operation, wasn't it? Uh, yes, it was uh, at the time. And I, I did work there for a short while in the late 70s, early 80s. Um, and at that time, they had about 2,200 employees working there. Since then, there's been a lot of issues and bankruptcies and things like that that's affected the company. But it is still going today. It was bought out again and now renamed REM Arms, R-E-M Arms, and uh, it is still employing people. And from what I found out uh, recently is they have hired on a few more people, especially for making of some of their rifles. So they do still make rifles in Ilion? Yes, they do. And, of course, that's been much in the, the news lately. And after the shootings, uh, the murders at Sandy Hook over in Connecticut and New York State passed its uh, or kind of up the ante on its gun control laws. Who the folks who owned Remington Arms at that point isn't that when they kind of left in a huff from uh, and, and or they didn't obviously they didn't leave but I guess they moved the headquarters wasn't it down to Georgia? Yes, the headquarters had been moved and even while I worked there, uh, Bob, there was a plant down in. Uh, the South, and it would make certain things, uh, only now when the SAFE Act was passed, uh, Remington did move their headquarters out of Ilion. The plant down South is still in operation. Uh, they also had a uh, ammunition manufacturing plant in the Connecticut area. That is no longer part of the Remington family during one of the sell-offs that was divested of some of their uh, different manufacturing parts. So that one remained in uh, Connecticut, and it's under a whole different ownership there. In addition to rifles and assault rifles, and I guess at Remington in particular was sued over the Sandy Hook shooting, unless I'm incorrect, They've made other products like typewriters, which you know nobody uses anymore. So I guess they don't make them anymore. No, they had stopped making those a while back. But Remington, is, as well as the whole Mohawk Valley, uh, at the time going back to the eighteen early nineteen hundreds, you could really consider the area between Rochester and Albany almost like the Silicon Valley of its day. And they made so many things, so many products came out of there. Uh, In the back of my book, in one of the appendices, I go into a lot of the firsts 
that had come out of Ilion, and there's a few pages of that. Uh, for example, Remington, as you mentioned, made typewriters, but they also made sewing machines. They made different farm instruments such as hoes, rakes, uh, uh, forks, things like that. They were really, really innovative for their time. Remington also had their own electric plant, and they would go out and install and sell electricity to people. And they did that up till the time that uh, Edison said, I'm going to have you guys cease and desist here. Uh, or else we'll have to go further on a legal course. And so Remington did that at that time. But they had always made many, many products. At one point after uh, World War II, they were so well uh, named that uh, General MacArthur actually wound up on the board of directors at one time. But it also seems it reminded me of a biblical verse when you were just talking about the many products. If If we ever come to the point where we beat our swords in into plowshares, Remington could could have done it. Uh, it, It's a machine shop sort of operation, right? Yes. uh, They did a lot very early on with steel and, in fact, made one of the very first steel barrels to to a rifle. And as such, they made other steel products and even went on to make what was called powdered metal products uh, where they took metal and it was more of a pulverized powder, and they would press it and make various different shapes out of it, and they sold that into uh, a lot of different equipment, garden tractors, you know, all kinds of other implements that these parts would go into, automobiles, etc. cetera. Uh, unfortunately, that plant was also sold off in one of the divestitures. Is there any other industry in Ilion? They used to have other industries back in the day. Uh, They were well-known throughout the uh, whole uh, U.S. anyways for their strawberry production. They manufactured tons of it and were basically shipped up and down the East Coast. And, you know, as far as the trains could take them before there was spoilage. Uh, And that was up until refrigeration came on. And then they even spread out beyond that. And then, unfortunately, bird's eye and all the freezing of the vegetables came about. And so people were able to get that and refrigeration, et cetera. And strawberries began to be grown and shipped from other areas. And so Ilian kind of lost that understanding or knowing that they were kind of the strawberry capital of the East at the time. Let me try to steer back to your book. Uh, Kevin Hall is author of My Childhood, My Memories, Growing up in a bygone era, say the the book explores th- some of the stories that you've told your grandchildren. Well, what's one of your favorite stories? I think probably the best one, and I've told the kids this on a couple different occasions, is when I was young, I loved to be outdoors. And the house we had in the backyard had a couple of huge pine trees. And in those pine trees, obviously, was a lot of wildlife, and I loved wildlife. And I saw the squirrels playing and the birds playing, etc. I thought, you know, maybe I could train those squirrels to come take some peanuts out of my hand. And so I went in and grabbed a bunch of peanuts and went out and was kind of calling to them. And I, you know, just kind of doing a little sort of uh, chipmunky (laughs) sound. And eventually, I, my arm was getting tired holding the peanut up, so I put it down to my side. Well, within a couple of minutes, I'm feeling a tug 
on the peanut. And sure enough, there was a squirrel taking the peanut out of my hand. So I said, oh, this is great. Let me get some more peanuts. Well, eventually over the next week or two, I had not just one but several squirrels. I was able to hand them the peanuts, pet them between their ears. Well, that went on until one day I heard my mom yell from the kitchen. And she yelled in, Kevin, screaming at the top of her lungs. (laughs) So whenever I heard that, I knew I was in trouble. And I'd go run down the stairs to see what it was. And she was looking at me and pointing to the screen door to our kitchen. And there was not one, but five squirrels with their pressed up against the screen door looking for food. And so my mom said, I want you to get rid of them now. And that was kind of the end of my squirrel feeding days. So the, the grandkids get a kick out of that story, and I kind of elaborate a little bit more on it within the book. Also, you, you write, Kevin, that you attended three different elementary schools. Why was that? My parents moved around a few times in uh, Ilian, and then there was one time that the high school caught fire, so they had to shift the kids around the different schools. So I went to North Street School, because I lived down on East River Street, and that was the, uh, or excuse me, West River Street, and that was over on the east side of River Street, and so that was the school I attended there. And then I went to the Remington School, which were classrooms set up in one of the Remington Arms buildings. That was because they needed space in town when the high school caught fire. And then my parents moved to uh, North 4th Ave, which was what we called Up on the Hill, and I attended West Hill School, three grade schools before I then went on to the Illion High School for 7th and 8th grade. Did Was one of them your favorite, or did, which one did you like the best? West Hill. I really loved West Hill, I think because I was older. I went there 3rd grade through 6th grade. Uh, really enjoyed it, made a lot of really good friends. We rode our bikes together. We went to play Little League together. Uh, we were in Cub Scouts. And it was just a, a very fun time for me. But I will have to say North Street School, I also remember that because that was the first time a girl kissed me in the hallway. So, oh, is that right? How old were you? <laughs> oh, boy, it was second grade. So what would that have been? Maybe six, seven years old, something like that? Yeah. So that, But that didn't play out. You were telling me before we did the interview that uh, – your wife uh, is, is not from Ilian. That's correct. She, we actually met in Minnesota. She's originally from Illinois, Chicago area. But what happened was my dad was transferred at the end of my eighth year in school and transferred with UNIVAC. When UNIVAC left the Valley, they sent folks elsewhere. My dad was transferred out to uh, Minnesota. Uh, They had a plant in Egan, Minnesota. I wound up going ninth grade through 12th grade in Minnesota. And in the uh, spring of my 12th year, I met uh, my girlfriend. She was uh, an 11th grader. And by the next April, we were married. Your father worked for UNIVAC. He didn't work for Remington then, or he didn't then. Not at that time, no. He was working for UNIVAC for quite a while. Uh, I know a lot of his family members, my uncles, my grandfather, had worked for Remington. But my dad was working with what was called Sperry Rand at the time, 
and later Univac. And he did a lot with uh, punch presses, which were needed in the very early computers mm-hmm. and for punch, punch cards. And he was transferred uh, for that job out to uh, Minnesota. Well, I've heard of Univac in the, in the connection with the Mohawk Valley. Was that in Ilion also, or wasn't it in another local community? Yeah, its main place was in Utica and had a real big plant out there, but they had uh, other spots around the valley, uh, Ilion being one. And uh, that's where my dad was working. He also worked a little bit up in Utica. Uh, so, uh, yeah, they were throughout the valley in a few different locations. So when your father was transferred, was this like an earthquake to you? I mean, you're leaving Ilian. You're leaving where you've been growing up, uh, feeding the squirrels and so forth. Yes, it was. And I describe in the book the, the time that it happened. I had just started to like one of the girls in my eighth grade class, and we would walk home from school together, that kind of thing. So I was leaving her, I was leaving my friends of many years. Uh, It it was a bit of a shock. And uh, just a little bit further, Bob, uh, my next book, and I'll just uh, give it a quick plug here if you don't mind, uh, should be coming out soon. And it picks up on that move from Ilion out to Minnesota and my years in Minnesota. So I kind of complete all of my years up until marriage and, you know, these are the kind of stories that my grandkids like. So uh, now I'll actually have two books out that describe those. Talking about, again, Mohawk Valley uh, communities, my connection with Ilian is my sister, Arlene Cudmore, lived in Ilian at the end of her life, actually, honestly, with her significant other, Jean Morey. And Jean was from Ilian to begin with. Uh, and my sister died in the late 1990s. Uh, and they lived on Hall Street. And your name is Hall. Did they name the street after your family? I have not found any connection yet to that. Uh, and there were uh, two different groups of Halls in uh, Ilion. And, you know, our family line is very, very large. Lots of relatives. The other family line only had a few folks in town but I was never able to make the connection between Hall Street and our last name, though I know Hall Street very well as it ends out on Marshall Ave. And Marshall Ave was where my wife and I bought our first house. Also, you talk about, and this is sort of an Ilian topic, uh, urban renewal. That came to many communities uh, in the country, but it came to Ilian. Yes, and uh, I, I got to state right right out that I, I talk about it in the book in a chapter, and I have a lot of before and after photos. And I mentioned right in the very beginning of the chapter, Bob, that I am not looking back on it a fan of urban renewal and what it did to the town. And I advise folks when they read the book, and I advise them right in that chapter, if you're not of this belief and you don't like it, then skip the chapter. <laughs> but I, I go on to talk a lot about how urban renewal, following its master plan, as they called it, uh, in the late 60s, sold the idea to the town and the town's people as a way to get rid of the dilapidated buildings that were 
uh, as they say, clustering Main Street and uh, bring about more of a progressive community for the next century. Only I also get into a little bit of when the wrecking balls came to town, these dilapidated buildings, which had been mostly made of brick, it took one of the wrecking balls, they counted it, 27 whacks before it put a dent into the, quote, dilapidated building. The buildings, yeah, they needed, uh, the, the typical brick should be, uh, you know, repointed if you've ever done anything with brick work. Uh, there's maintenance on it and things like that. But the town had, in my opinion, it really was the Mayberry of the East, and I am so happy and proud of the fact that I was able to grow up in that community. It, it just had so much charm and warmth. It, it had a movie theater in town that unfortunately went by the wayside on with Urban Renewal. It had an Oddfellows Temple building, and Oddfellows were really known for a lot of their charity work throughout Actually, throughout the world, there's several chapters. And so much more. Powers News in town was kind of like the old-time store that people would go, grab a cup of coffee, read a newspaper, and just talk to each other. Walking the streets, the old W.T. Grant store and National Auto store. They had the family pet store in town that uh, the owners had a pet monkey named Susie. Uh, that we would love to go in and see, and uh, it, it was just such a charming community. And at uh, Christmas time, the stores were ablaze with lights, and lights hung across the telephone wires outside, going across the street, and it was just very, very nice community. Unfortunately, all of that went by the wayside. In total, 113 buildings were raised as a result of urban renewal. Well, I certainly know that a lot of us who come from other places in the Mohawk Valley feel the same way about how urban renewal changed things. I know where I grew up in Amsterdam, uh, they they erected a mall in the center of the town. What was to be a shopping mall, it's still there. It's not, it's okay, but it never was successful as a shopping mall. And also uh, somebody, uh, one of the, I think the, uh, Latino immigrants said, uh, described it as the Berlin Mall because it was served to block off the more affluent part of the city from the not so affluent part of the city. And they did all kinds of things with the road system. I don't know if they did that in uh, Ilian, but that they did that in Amsterdam. And now they're sort of redoing it. They're putting the old roads back. I mean, you can. Uh, Go, come to a stoplight and make a right turn. We never could do that before. Uh, so are, are they trying to correct these problems? Uh, not to date. Um, and you mentioned a mall in town, and that's very similar to what they did in Ilian. They took away a couple of the side streets, and they put in this uh, uh, cement-blocked stuccoed building which became kind of the center mall in the town. It housed about 10 stores. And at the time, Faze Drugs was uh, the biggest store in the mall. Eventually, it anchored the mall. And as such, it became known as Faze Mall. Even that has gone away. And now it's a medical uh, facility 
having x-rays, doctor's offices, things like that for the town. Talking with uh, Kevin Hall about Ilian, my childhood, my memories growing up in a bygone era. I just feel prompted to ask him, you've only really told us one story from from your youth that uh, have beguiled your grandchildren. Do you have another? Um, Well, there was another one. Uh, As I mentioned, I was into uh, pets. But as a kid, I was also, I think, what you might call a little bit gullible. And one of my friends had told me that you can get silk from a worm and you can make money by selling the silk. Okay. And I was very curious about that. So I asked more, you know, what kind of worm and stuff. They said, oh, you know those tree worms you see that have all of, like, the cocoon, the big white cocoons in the tree? Get those worms, put them in some water, and they will build a nest over the water, and that nest will be of silk. Well, being a young, gullible kid, I went and gathered up some of those tree worms I took them home, and I said, well, I need some water. So I decided to put them in the bathroom sink. (laughs) And so I filled the sink up with water, put the worms in, and I, you know, just went about my business. uh, And then all of a sudden, I heard it again. Kevin! (laughs) I go running down the stairs. There's Mom. She's pointing to the sink. And so I described the story to her quickly. Mom, I can't get rid of them. We're going to have silk. We'll make a lot of money. Get rid of them. And so as punishment, I got rid of all of my entrepreneurial uh, need at that point with the worms. And I had to clean the bathroom top to bottom. In your life, uh, you started off going to Herkimer County Community College and Brockport College and then you had a career. You, you worked some for Remington Arms, but more, I gather, for Eastman Kodak and Xerox? That's correct. Uh, I worked for Remington while I was going to uh, Herkimer County Community. And upon graduating that, I was hired in at Remington Arms as a computer programmer. And while I was going uh, working at uh, Eastman Kodak, I was then going to school at Brockport. And I worked for Kodak up to the point to where they had a subsidiary. It was one of their major divisions. Uh, It became a subsidiary of the company. And I was working for them. And the company, the subsidiary, was bought out. Mm -hmm. Well, after a few months of that, uh, some of my uh, buddies went over to Xerox. And they gave me a call one day and said, we could really use you. And so I went and talked to them and it got hired in. And I spent the last 18 years of my career over there as a project manager helping uh, hospitals as a main uh, point of my career, helping them get out of paper forms and get into electronic forms. Well, very good. Can't help uh, but be what I am, a negative upstate New Yorker. But Eastman and Xerox also had their problems over the years, haven't they? Yes, they did. Uh, both of them, uh, at the time I worked for Eastman, uh, they were over 50,000 employees in the Rochester area. And they had over 100,000, I think the number was 110, 112,000 employees worldwide. 
from what I understand now, it's about seven to 8,000 employees worldwide. Uh, And part of the problem is the same thing Xerox ran into is they concentrated so much on what they call the cash cow for uh, Kodak. It was their film. And for Xerox, it was their toner for the printers. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, the digital age came in and kind of really turned their whole world upside down, and they didn't embrace it fast enough. Kevin Hall is author of the memoir, Ilian, My Childhood, My Memories Growing Up in a Bygone Era. You can find the book on Amazon. You've been listening to the Historian's Podcast, and this is Bob Cudmore. Please help us keep the Historian's Podcast going with a donation to our 2022 Fund Drive. You can donate via GoFundMe. You'll find that link on our website, bobcudmore.com. And thank you very much.